Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Buck Sanders and Jason Staples. And guys, before we get started, I want to tell you a little bit of a story about the game yesterday. Everybody that was in attendance at Keenan Stadium, and if you weren't, that's on you. You can't fuss about crowds uh, if you're not actually there. But I was there with my family, and it rained a little bit, and it was, you know, threatening a little. Uh, but the play on the field was the most frustrating thing, and we'll talk about that a plenty in this podcast. But after uh, Notre Dame's backup running back went 30-some yards for a touchdown, um, I got up and left. And as soon as I hit the portal to walk out um, in the concourse at Keenan Stadium after rounding my family up, I hear, there's Tommy Ashley. And my initial thought was, that I can't repeat on air, but my initial thought was, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And this guy comes up to me, and, and man, if you're listening, appreciate the chuckle you're about to have. So he says, I can't wait to hear the Buck Sanders, Jason Staples take on this podcast. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, we'll get one. He said, what do you think about all this, Tommy? And I said, dude, it's the middle of the third quarter, and I'm walking to my car. That should tell you right there what I think about this. And so with that, Buck, I'm going to go to you and ask, what do you think? And we can refer to Buck's column. I just, I, I really don't know what there is left to talk about. I'm sure we will talk a plenty, but Buck, I'm going to go to you first. Great column, by the way. And yes, I have read it. And if our listeners haven't read wait, it, they, wait, what, they need what to. Column? Uh, Buck. The book stops here. But, oh, I need to, Buck writes a column? I need to start reading these. <laughs> Buck, uh, you're up. Well, first of all, kudos to Jason and I for not screwing with Tommy while he was going through that rendition of, uh, because, uh, he, he threatened both Jason and I not to say anything, uh, while he was going through all that. And have I ever left a game in the middle of the third quarter? I'm not sure. Maybe so. I remember being at a game several years ago. Tommy was probably at this game too, cause he's damn near as old as I am. Um, uh, the Furman game. Uh, oh, I was, I was Tommy, covering the Furman game for Inside Carolina Book. Was that the the first game that you covered? I'm trying to remember now. You may have told me that. This was um, before you before the Buck Sanders Tar Pit takeover, or right around before that. I, before I lifted your feet out of the Mary Clay and set them on <laughs> solid ground. Absolutely. Uh, but the, uh, the, the, the Furman game, I, I sat through it to the bitter end. I mean, I waited until the final whistle blew. This is the Torbush era and Furman, an FCF school came in and beat North Carolina. I forget it was something God awful 30 something to whatever. And, and I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to sit here to the end of this game. So that in years to come, when there is uh, any glory to be had by watching UNC football, I'll be able to appreciate it because I'll have my stripes from having watched this game. 
But so, uh, Tommy, I'm not sure I've ever left a game in the third quarter, but you know, I don't fault you for having done that. It was raining, and uh, you had about a bait, as they say, in uh, Johnston County. But you know, if for my take on the game, read my column on Tar Pit Premium. But the, the takeaways that primarily that I had is that uh, even though I am reluctant, and everybody knows I'm reluctant to uh, criticize offensive play calling. I thought the play calling and anybody would have a brain thought the play calling at the end of the first half was horrendous. I'm going to jump in there real quick too, by the way, it's not the play (laughs) calling so much as the game management. That's a head coaching decision, not a coordination issue. So I, 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 I'd like to draw the distinction between play calling Yes, but to me, that's a game management thing where the coach, the head coach has to say, hey, they got, we got 38 seconds. We're on our one-yard line. We, we haven't moved the football much anyway, so, and they only got two timeouts. Let's do whatever we can to just fall on the one-yard line and get out of here. If we, if we just fall forward on the one-yard line, they know we're going to do this three times, so they're probably not going to take those timeouts, so we'll just we'll get out of here. That's a management decision. Beyond play, I mean, play the yeah, the calls themselves. It's another thing, but oh my gosh, yeah, the, the management it, it was that's bad. been a recurring it problem. It was bad. It's the it, game that, management and, stuff that's been a recurring problem. That's well, the kicker and, is the recurring problem part of it. Go ahead, uh, Buck. I'm there sorry. was uh, <laughs> there's an old football play. I haven't seen it run. I, I don't think I've ever seen it run ever. I've heard it being run, but what happens is the quarterback under center takes a snap and hands it back to the center and lets him run with it. Um, and, and, you know, you can do, you could do that and not lose any yardage, right? As well, long it, as the center doesn't get next, yeah, well, knocked backwards. Presuming, presuming you rep taking snaps in practice so that you don't fumble the, fumble the exchange, which is probably what right. they were concerned about there. But you can still snap it to the quarterback and have the quarterback dive forward, and you're okay. You can do something to stay on the, the field. You can whatever shotgun you the don't and have do, the quarterback dive forward. Yeah, whatever you do, you don't snap the ball five yards deep in the end zone. That's what. Let's talk about it briefly. And but for the record, I've left uh-huh. in the third quarter one time before. That was when Maryland beat Carolina. But you'll 50- admit to you've never been really spotted. You know, leaving yeah. before, so <laughs> <I> got called <laughs> out. So you know, you you got busted. So hey. you can admit to one, and then let the you know imagination of the uh, listeners go wild after that well yeah, if, yeah. We're, if, we're, if we're doing if we're talking about stripes here i i have to put my own on on you know accomplishments on this after my playing career was over at uh down in tallahassee i i, I stayed in the stands while i was doing my masters i stayed in the stands in a awful cold and yes it did get cold down there rainy day when florida state was beat beaten by wake forest 30 to nothing and I stayed through Ooh. that entire that that oh, that's yeah. pretty, that's pretty close yeah. to rock bottom, folks. Ooh, that, oh, well, yeah. I don't know if it. I don't know if it. Well, as you know, you get blown I, out thirty to nothing speaking, at home you know, I think, in the rain by Wake Forest. That is, especially at a proud program like that. That is rock bottom, and I stuck it out for that one. So, well, yeah, I, le- I, I left. I left. I'm gonna finish when I left. 
I'm going I'm to finish <laughs> if I have to mute you okay. both. I left. Carolina lost to Maryland 59-7 to in Keenan Stadium. And I Ooh, think, I remember that one too. And, and I think Maryland ran a naked bootleg from like the 50. And I could have run out of my seats in section 106, crossed the track, jumped the fence, and gotten closer to the Maryland quarterback than any guy on Carolina's defense. And so I left. That, that was when Ralph Fridgen was there, correct, Tommy? Yes, and, I could have. I'm, I'm, I could have gotten around him and still made the play. <laughs> I, I remember that game. Ralph Fridgen was the coach, and I believe they could have beaten North Carolina ninety to seven if they'd have wanted to. You know, it, it, it was what fifty-seven to seven or fifty-nine to seven, 59 whatever to it was. Seven. And, I think and they could have easily scored another twenty points. You know, I, I think. It, Maryland beat North Carolina that day, 59 to seven, and Fridgen took his foot off the accelerator, if that tells you anything. So we, we've all seen our bad days in Canaan Stadium, but back to the take on the game, you know, we've talked a little bit about the play calling. We can talk about it some more if you want, but, you know, my point, I think, in my column is, and Jason calls it a game management problem, but then there was the third and two-thirds of a yard play <sighs> where you, you roll out Surratt. And that is not a game management issue. It's a play calling issue. Yeah, that one, that one again, is a, that's a play calling one there. I'll, I'll give you that one. So if you examine those situations and play, play calling, uh, I think, figured into the end of the first half with game management issues aside. But my point was that if – the plays that were called there were so outrageous and horrendous, then that that makes the rest of the play calling for this game and any other game worthy of discussion. It, it has to come into play because if you're making that bad of a decision in those circumstances, then how good of a decision are you making in other circumstances? So, I think that's point number one. Point number two, I think the defense played hard. Cason Collins was a beast. Yes, I mean, he was. That's the best game he's played uh, since he's been at UNC. And what a warrior he was in that game. Uh, the other UNC defenders played well. And I, as I said in my column, this is point number two. This is not a powerful defense. They have weaknesses. They've got weak spots in their defense and their strengths are not strong enough to like hold a really good offense say into single digits or even less than 14 points but they play really really hard and I'm thinking just from watching the game and watching other games this year I think they play harder than they did under Gene Chiswick. Maybe they're a little more talented. Maybe they've got a little bit more depth. But I'm seeing them play harder, and I think that may be the result of a more aggressive scheme that Papuchas runs. And Jason can probably speak to this. If you're in a defense where philosophy is more aggressive and you're really trying to get after people, is it more fun to play? than a defense similar to the one that Chiswick ran, which was let's sit back and, and try to bleed the offense down the field. Jason, what do you say about that? I, I would think for defensive players, it would be more fun to 
play a little bit more aggressively? Well, it it is if you're if you're having success doing it. It's not fun to get beat one way or another, and it's not fun to get beaten when you're trying to play aggressive when you're going forward, and then all of a sudden they run a long one on you, and it's not fun to try to play, you know, a, a other you know, more, more, uh, conservatively and get beaten. I mean, if I had, if I had my choice, I guess as a player, I'd rather play a little bit more aggressively. Uh, I want to play smart aggressive. I mean, we've talked about that before, but you know, it, it's more fun when you're having success. I mean, usually, usually in this, it, that that's, that's what it boils down to when you're losing, when you're, when you're getting beat, that stuff that, that makes the game a whole lot less fun. And most of the people who are involved in this game, both coaches and players, dislike, hate losing much more than they like winning. I'm definitely in that in that mode. I hate losing much more than I like winning. I'm a little bit relieved when I win because I didn't lose. <laughs> I agree with and, that. And um, that, I, I think the bigger thing is that, that first of all, they believe, I think, it, I think they, they pretty clearly have bought in and believe what they're being asked to do. That's when it that's that's the bigger thing, I think, than the schematic stuff is I think they've bought in to what the coaches are asking them to do and they're selling out to do that. And that's when you start to look more confident. That's actually when you start to have success. And you can do that if you buy if you get a guy to buy in to a more conservative approach, it can work. If you get a guy to buy in to a more aggressive approach, it can work. It just depends on the makeup of your of, of your of your players of your personnel and it depends on whether or not you can get those guys to buy in. And I, I think the defense has, has pretty, pretty largely bought in. You can see these guys, their confidence grow a little bit here and there. The problem is they're not getting a whole lot of support from a young and really banged up offense. And frankly, you know, they were outmanned in this game. We knew going in that this game, the, the current state of, of North Carolina's roster was, was vastly outmanned going into this game. And even if everybody was healthy, Notre Dame had the stronger roster in this game, though it would have been, you know, a lot, a lot different with a full deck. So long answer to uh, a short question as usual. Yeah, well, it brings me back to the opening preamble by Tommy Ashley. He, pre he predicted North Carolina was going to lose 41 to 14. And then he leaves in the third quarter <laughs> and they lose 33 to 10. I mean, what did you expect, Tommy? I mean, come on. Uh, uh, okay, that now we something we can talk about. Here's what okay. I expect. Here's what I expect, and tell me if I'm wrong. I expect the team to play hard throughout, and for the most part, I think they do that. I expect the coaching staff to put them in position to succeed, no matter what the odds are against them physically. So. When you somehow manage to cut it to one score, fourteen to seven, and you can get out of which the was half. a miracle, by the way. Oh yeah, the fact that they were in that game, the fact fourteen that it was to four, seven, yeah, and and they could have taken a couple of knees and gotten out of there one score down. Yep that that was pretty amazing. After that first half, and they had like seven yard first quarter, they had seven yards of total offense. Yep. So. You got a gift there. Somehow, some way, you're down one score. All you got to do is fall forward, get out of the game, get out of half, regroup, 
you're getting the kickoff to start the second half. So I don't expect coaching staff, game management to screw that up. And it's not the first time. If it was, it is what it is. It's probably the fifth or sixth or seventh time. And I know I'm going to get hate mail. I got hate mail last time we talked about Coach Fedora in a bad way. But I think that deserves some scorn. So what else do I expect? I expect on third foot or two feet to not roll out and throw a pass like that or whatever the play call was when it hasn't worked the entire day. And like Jason said earlier, trick them, trick them. Well, to trick somebody, you've got to be able to do something. (laughs) You've got to be able to set it up with something else, right? Yeah. I mean, you run setup plays all day. Notre Dame had no fear of anything. They got no – and here's what's even more concerning to me, and Jason, I'm going to ask you about this. Fedora said on the play at the end of the first half, the first down play, I thought we could run a double move and get the guy open. I think that's what I heard him say. Correct me if I'm wrong. You've got a freshman quarterback, and you're going, you want him to wait on a double move in the end zone when they haven't blocked Notre Dame's front four all game long. <laughs> I mean, that's, I actually have le- here, here's the thing. I actually don't ha- have a problem in a vacuum. If that, if that play had been with two minutes left, I have no problem with the play call. I actually advocate. I'm a strong advocate in general of throwing the football out of your own end zone. We've talked about this, I think, on this podcast before, because generally speaking, you give your guy a 50-50 ball and you either flip the field, it's incomplete, or at worst, it's an arm punt. That's what Notre Dame did out of their end zone with about three, what, 354 left to play somewhere in there, if I remember correctly. Yep. I have no, no objection to that. And th- that type of protection that you're using out of the end zone there, you're not going to have a bus generally. So you're going to have the kid throw the football and he get it downfield. And even if the, if, he, if the pressure starts to get there, you just tell him, throw it to that guy and throw it way over his head if it's too early. Not a problem. It's not a dangerous thing. But with 38 seconds left and then with two timeouts, it's dumb. That's Absolutely. the problem. Yep. And, so, and, and for those out there who, who do get upset and send the hate mail and all this when somebody uses the word stupid or dumb, I'm not saying the coaching staff personally that these guys are dumb i've talked to these guys they're smart guys but sometimes smart people do dumb things or make dumb decisions or don't take probabilities into account or whatever and in this case this decision was the wrong decision even if the rationale was we thought we could double move them first of all as soon as you see that they're lined up with extra safety help which is what they did they lined up saying, hey, they may try to throw it deep, deep here. Well, if, as soon as you see that, then check it. Check it, move to something that's going to be as low risk, get the quarterback, you know, get the quarterback. I don't have a problem even snapping the ball to the quarterback in the end zone. I, some, people, some people do. I don't really have much of an objection to that. If you're a shotgun team and you never have your quarterback take snaps, sometimes it can be worse to put him under center. But bottom line, you can't, do that and then give yourself a a situation where they know you've got to run on second down and they can load up on that and do what they did. So to me, I don't have a problem two minutes left with two minutes left for him saying, well, we thought we could double move him. I have a problem with him saying that when the alternative 
is so clearly better with 38 seconds left. That and not even accounting for that part. That's what I have a problem with. Yep. And and, and so that's what I expect. And, and Buck, you know, like I said, if it was the first time or the second time or the third time, but it's getting to be where it's the first, second, third, fourth, fifth time each week. And and to be honest with you, I feel for the players at times. Those guys, like you mentioned, the defense out there playing as hard as they possibly can. They cannot hold up physically when they're having, you know, when Notre Dame A is so much busy, bigger physically, but they're also able to do whatever they want to do. I mean, the running back for Notre Dame was bigger than any Carolina linebacker by far. And so when they're matched up against that, but, but the number one thing for a coaching staff to me is to put your players in position to succeed. And can you sit there and say that you've seen them do that for the most part of this season? Injuries before you, aside. Before you answer that, I do want to point out, I, I think over the last two years, North Carolina has to lead the country in the Power Five, at least, in safeties given up. Have to. Absolutely. And I ask uh, on Twitter, the ESPN guy, the ESPN stats guy, please tell me who leads that stat. It's got to be North Carolina. It has to be, like you said. And, Buck, hold on a second. Before you answer, let's go to the commercial. We'll be right back. Buck, share with us your wisdom. Throughout the day, we've been uh, texting back and forth on our Slack channel. If you don't have Slack, you should probably get one, uh, a channel for your business or whatever. And all day long, Tommy says, I really don't have anything to add. To the, to the <laughs> he podcast. tried to get out of this episode the entire day, man. The entire day he's been trying to, to uh, dodge having this podcast. And then while he's rambling on about what he's going to ask me, <laughs> I'm taking 15 different mental notes on how to answer all of his questions. And it's just impossible. So I, I'm going to go this, this route. I'm just going to answer the questions I think should be answered. Uh, Tommy's so, a complex man. It will certainly shorten the podcast. Very complex. He, he's like, I don't have anything to add, and then he talks for like 40 minutes. So anyway, on on the hate mail question, which you and both brought up, Tommy, um, you know, it, it's it's a no win proposition, and and I figure that if I'm getting about 50-50 hate and love in private messages, I'm hitting it about right. If about I get about an equal number of comments saying that, oh, you're a unabashed homer, and 50% saying, oh, you just hate the coaching staff, and, and you hate, uh, you know, if, if I'm getting 50-50, then I feel like I'm doing my job correct. I think making coaching management decisions four and five times a game is probably a little bit exaggerated, but I'm not to, to defend the bad decisions that were made. I mean, there were some horrible decisions made, no question. At, at the same time, my focus would rather be on some of the players that played. And I really think that, Chaz Rat, for as bad of a day that he had, showed a level of toughness that needs to be appreciated. I'm reminded of Matt Baker a little bit. Jason won't remember this, but Tommy and I were 
at a Wisconsin game a few years ago uh, where Wisconsin's defense just ate North Carolina alive. And Matt Grounds, Matt Baker spent more time on the ground than he did upright. And, and, and Chasseret took hit after hit after hit. You know, even when he wasn't sacked, there was somebody in his face. There was pressure all the time. And I think that's a feature. That's something we could talk about maybe later in the week. But, you know, when when your running game poses no threat to a defense and North Carolina's running game did not pose any threat to Notre Dame, they, they were never sitting there on a defensive snap saying, oh, what if they break a run for 40 or 50 yards? Uh, that wasn't going through their minds. So they had the luxury of just focusing on Chas Surratt. And they brought blitzes after blitzes. And even when they didn't blitz, they ran stunts, which we could talk about how horrible the offensive line played, which is another 30 or 40 minute topic. But I'm not going to pull a Tommy Ashley and talk, <laughs> and talk for 40 minutes after I said I had nothing really to add. But, but those are the questions that I would answer if they had been asked. So, Jason, you're the coach, and your team is one in five, and it's bleak. Um, there's some positives, certainly, on the defensive side. You coming out of that game, and, and your Florida State Seminoles are in a similar position, at least record-wise. I was going to I was going to ask Jason who would he rather be, North Carolina or Florida State, at this juncture, based on the preseason perception of both teams. Now, by the way, I, I do want to I do want to point out, Buck. You did say I wouldn't remember certain things. I'm, if I remember correctly, I'm my uh, my high school football team. We played against Matt Baker. Uh, I, we played against Brother Rice, I think, uh, at one point. So I'm trying to remember if he was he was their quarterback because he was about my age. So, anyway, <laughs> uh, I think I think he may have been playing lacrosse. I think that's you know they recruited him off the lacrosse tape. So, Jason, what do you tell them? I mean, how do you keep their heads up? Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer Buck's question first. <laughs> I'm just getting totally Which is the ignored. better question? Let's just admit that. Well, I, I, whether it's the better question or not, it's it's in some ways a harder question because, well, it's it's a more it's more complicated. I think Tommy's is harder. The question of whether you'd rather be Florida State or or, uh, or UNC at this point that that's an interesting one because given the given the expectations and all that, you know, Florida State came into the year expecting to play for a national championship, expecting to go to the playoff. At, at um, least be a playoff team. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, it was one of those situations where coming into the season, it felt like playoff or bust. And boy, have they busted. And that's really, really difficult for a program that also busted last year in, in similar fashion. And that's a program that's not used to being out of the national spotlight by October, right? Before October. And they've done it two years in a row now, and now and, and they're down their starting quarterback, who also has been a bit of a cancer, and you know that's another another issue in itself. And they've got some they've got some culture issues there. That makes that that tough, and they're gonna and they're gonna have coaching changes at the end of this year without question. Even though a lot of Florida State fans, one of the things that I'm gonna take just a moment here, one of the things that's been remarkable to me covering the two teams, covering both programs has been the remarkable first of all the remarkable parallels at different points between the two programs and some of the types of wins or losses that they've had and some of the injury situations and so on has been kind of eerie at times 
But even more remarkable has been watching the comments of fans on social media and on message boards and so on, and how almost how the, you could switch them out. I've actually been taking screenshots and and uh, rec- recording comments the last couple couple weeks from both UNC fans on Inside Carolina and on Twitter and elsewhere and Florida State fans on analogous sites and on Twitter and elsewhere because I want to actually st- put to, put them side by side and ask the respective fan bases which fan base said this <laughs> because yeah, you can't yeah. tell and the you, difference you could, do, you could do that every week I mean you can't probably, tell the difference and, and probably I haven't been there and I don't know I, I have no clue but I, I'm. I suspect the the Michigan fan board. No, no, they're, 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 they're still they're still in love with Harbaugh enough that they that they're in different. I bet, the, I bet there's some people there that are really upset. But, but the honeymoon is starting to wear off a little bit. But anyway, the the same complaints from oh he's too loyal to his staff to fire guys. You know you're seeing that right now. If you go if you go to and go on Twitter or visit you know the twenty four seven FSU board if you have access or whatever. Most of our listeners have access to that stuff. Take a look at what they're saying. Jimbo's too arrogant, too too stubborn, and too loyal to his assistants to make the changes necessary to benefit the program. They need to uh, change the play calling on offense completely. He needs to give up the play calling and hire a real offensive coordinator. The, the problem on the defense hasn't been solved. They need to go and get a more aggressive defensive coordinator who knows how to, how to get guys to play moving forward so they don't play passive. I mean, it is, it's, it's remarkable how, I mean, you, you could basically, and, and I'm planning on doing it. I'm going to take the team names and coaches names out, and then I'm going to have a quiz for people to take on which team teams fan fan base said this <laughs> because, it's, you know, it's Tommy really uh, and Jason, both, I know we've got to wrap this up pretty soon. We probably, you know, uh, we, Tommy kept saying there's nothing to talk about. Well, we got plenty. Yeah. You expect, I expect. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't. I'm not seeing it correctly. But I do expect to see some staff changes, both on North Carolina and Florida State. I know that. I know there's going to be staff changes at Florida State. That that much I know. I would be surprised if there were not staff changes with the the Carolina staff. Although more surprised. I mean, I don't expect extensive staff changes. Partly because I think Carolina's situation with. I mean, 18, on the offensive 19, side of the ball. I yeah, but still, with 18, 19 guys out, and most yeah. of those guys on the offensive but somebody side. somebody has got to take the fall Look, for that. boys, y'all got to let each other talk. So, so at any up. rate, at, at, at any rate, <laughs> you know, if I had to, if I had to choose, I would, I would still, if I were coaching, I'd still prefer to be coaching the team that was a little bit healthier and had a lot more talent than – the situation that Carolina's in right now, where frankly, when, the, when you look forward, there's what, maybe one game on the schedule that you look at and you're like, yeah, that should be a win from here. There's a few others that, you know, well, they may compete in that, you know, they've got a chance, but it's, it's, it's tough sledding from here based on the roster, the guys that are healthy and so on at Carolina. So, so I would say because at Florida state, you still sort of look at this and you go, well, we're still more talented than them. If we get this fixed, we can still, you know, we could still win out, presumably, is what you're saying as as that coach, even though you're trying to wrestle with a, a locker room that's splitting a little bit because of the lack of success. You're dealing with that in both places, most likely, and I think it, it, it's a little harder 
sell with, with Carolina right now because these players aren't stupid. They they know that every game from here is going to be uphill, and and that makes it harder. As far as a coach, the you have to find ways. So getting to your set your question, Tommy, you have to find ways to to motivate guys on the little things during the week. And you have you know it's not a matter of coming out flat during games. It's a matter of continuing to get guys to actually practice hard and to improve and move forward in the areas that you need to during the season when it doesn't feel like there's any real reason to be out there. And that and so what you've got to do is you've got to find little ways of motivating, okay, we're going to do this today and we're going to keep track of this and let's see if we can compete this way. You know, you, you make little goals. You, you build up every, every opponent that you're going to play as this is a time where we can take that step forward and we can turn our season around. We may not make a bowl. We may not do whatever, but we're, go- we're going to prove that, that we can overcome this stuff and we're going to set ourselves up. And you also start playing some of the young guys, the young guys who are just happy to be getting more time. You start doing some of that stuff and, and, and you know, using that as, a, as some building moments as well. So it, it's really hard when you start losing. I mean, we did that at the beginning of this year uh, at Jordan, where I'm coaching now. Now, this week, at least, I didn't have the trifecta where all, all, all three teams I'm involved with, whether covering or coaching, didn't lose. I, you know, the two teams that are lost, but uh, we were up 25 to nothing at the, at, at the end of the first quarter for the game that I, I was coaching, so I'll, I'll take that. But, you know, we, we finally sort of turned the corner there. But the, after, the, after going uh, – Oh, and three to start the season. We had a we had a hard sell. You have to get the guys to buy back into your message. And when you're not having success, that's really hard. I agree with that, Buck. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to close the show if you've got anything left to lay on this one. I, I'm totally out of gas, Tommy. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, you you exhausted me with your 15 different questions and and one. Uh, one segment there, I couldn't remember them all, so I just had to to deviate a little bit. But well, yeah, I mean, it, tough day, tough day. I'm glad we got this podcast done, which I didn't think was going to happen. And it's always uh, a real pleasure to talk to Jason and you, Tommy. As as much uh, grief as I give you, you know, I love you, buddy. Yeah, I love you, <laughs> you too, but now. but now you and uh, you uh, Don might get mad, so I'm not going to say too much else about well, that. I didn't say who I loved more. <laughs> Boy, has it been that type of year, that oh, type God. of day. Yep. We, we have really devolved. We have definitely we have. devolved. But look, you got to find something to talk about. Carolina has it was fun. Virginia. Yeah. Carolina has Virginia in Keenan Stadium on Saturday, 3.30. I'm sure we'll talk more about that later in the week. Guys, appreciate it. Enjoyed it, Tommy. I would say I enjoyed it, but these are a lot less fun after after uh, losses. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.